0: This is Near Dark Radio. Near Dark Radio. Near Dark Radio. Near Dark Radio. 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 Welcome back to the show, folks. I'm your host, John Gower, obviously. And I am here with returning guest, a learner of languages, a scab on the status quo, a politically homeless wanderer, and now a doctor... Dr. Jerry Scruggs, welcome back to the show.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Uh, you recently defended your... Well, actually, you recently started up a, a podcast. I did. Kiko's
1: Freethinkers Forum. Yeah, there you go. There you yeah. go. It's, um, it's basically a forum I started a couple weeks ago. I've been wanting to start it for a year, but it's about it's a place for skeptics, free thinkers, so-called conspiracy theorists, people who are anti-establishment. Yeah. People who are um, politically homeless, people who are anarchists, people who basically don't fit into a mold of any kind, who hates this system and, and wants to find their voice, you know, to people who normally wouldn't listen to them. It's it's a it's a safe space for people. And hopefully it's that way. We got a lot of cool episodes coming up. Um, talking about the deep state, talking about Maxwell and Epstein, talking oh about Assange. Boy. So we got a lot of cool stuff coming up. We got a local activist running for governor next week. Okay. And so we have a lot of interesting guests. Hopefully right. you'll be one down the road too.
0: Yep. I, I can do that. Put on your tinfoil hats and run. Don't walk to Kiko's <laughs> Freethinkers Forum on Apple like Podcasts. All over, Radio yeah, Public,
1: Apple, Amazon, any major podcast platform Sweet. you can find us.
0: Sweet. Um, but like I said earlier, you just f- defended your doctoral thesis. Oh yeah. So what was your thesis on? Don't get too into the weeds.
1: I won't but... get into it. Shit. Man, I almost forgot the title. Hell, when you brought it up, <laughs> I had to change the song of a bitch, you know, a couple of times because it wasn't fitting right, but it's basically intersectional analyses of gender race, sexuality. In Latin American literature, Caribbean literature, from 1955 to present. That was the title. Okay. And it basically talks about black masculinities, and so I make the argument that there are five parameters that you find in black literature um, to where it differentiates that from other types of literature and how these experiences sort of shape those authors. Okay. And don't uh, shoot me down if I forget all five of them, but it's like, dude, this shit's coming off the fly, but... I basically made the argument like um, sexual prowess is one.
0: Yeah, we all know the sexual prowess of the black man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man, I kind of go hardcore with it. And um, I wasn't sure how people were going to react to that, but I think it went off well. There's obviously a history there with um, the sexualization of people. And Mm -hmm. um, it's no different now. You see it in pop culture especially, but um, the only difference is that I'm doing it with literature pieces in Latin America Caribbean.
0: So, what was, how was the process of defending your thesis? What is that like? I've never.
1: Seen one. I'm
0: sorry. You sent me a video of it. I <laughs> did not. It was TLDR. It's still
1: on your Google drive. It's still there. You want to read it? <laughs> it's
0: still, oh, the, you, the thesis itself?
1: Yeah. Okay, I, I, okay. No, I did. No, I didn't. The thesis hasn't been uploaded to the database yet for gotcha. UT Knoxville. But um, the video, I, it, it's on your Google drive. If you want to download that thing, I okay. sent it to you. But. It's a stressful um situation. So you had to come up with the prospectus, which is a proposal for your dissertation. This I did this five years ago because I was a little bit later finishing my dissertation. COVID happened, that kind of delayed things too. And just um depression, honestly. I was very depressed. I've never been hey, as depressed as I've the been. Club. Yeah. It, it was really bad, man. Um just like you really don't care about life as much anymore. That's all it is—just is work and just writing. Mm-hmm. But um, the process is difficult. You have to defend your perspectives in front of your committee. Yeah. And once they say that your proposal is okay, you can start writing your dissertation. And so, for some people, that can take two years. Some people can write it in three. I say realistically, people can write their dissertation. Two and a half years, a good one, because Uh remember, you're still teaching classes and stuff while you're writing the dissertation. Right. So you're not just working on your dissertation. And then after that, um, before you pass your prospectus, you have to pass comprehensive exams in all the different areas of your field. So I had to pass eight different exams before I could even do the prospectus, and this is all together. Yeah. At least my program is like that, and then the dissertation process again, it, um, there's no set number of pages you have to write. Um, 200 is sort of the unwritten rule, Mine right. it's was essentially about, a book, yeah, it's a yeah. book. Mine was 220 pages, and um, I'll probably end up publishing it into a book, but uh, it's very stressful, man. Uh, the defense was the easiest part for me because the defense. Well, because, like, yeah, you spent two and a half years writing,
0: writing it, researching that. it.
1: It's a presentation, basically, and, and talking is my forte. Gotcha, gotcha. So being able to defend my, my work was easy. I was actually celebrating four weeks before I had the defense. Like, I won't tell people how to <laughs> celebrate too much because I got a lot of friends and stuff, and professors and stuff, and they probably do shit at their homes and stuff, too. But I mean, let's just say I was in party mode like way before the, the professors defense. Professors
0: get lit. Professors oh, yeah, get do. lit. <laughs> Alcoholism is a real problem in academia, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Mm-hmm. We're tired to talk about other problems in academia.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: At least perceived problems. And I asked you to come on again a few months ago just to talk about your thesis, but you responded with a long message saying that um, essentially that you have a problem with the academic status quo and that you were considering only applying to HBCU colleges, mm-hmm. which is for listeners that are retarded, historically <laughs> black colleges and universities um, like Fisk University or right. Meharry Medical College. Correct.
1: Tennessee State, Tennessee State, Lincoln University up in Pennsylvania, Clark University down in Atlanta. Spellman, any of these colleges, Tuskegee. There's right. so many there's lots of them actually. Oh Tuskegee, oh boy. And it, most of them are in the South. A lot of them are in the South, but yeah, yeah. we well, yeah, have quite yeah. a few of them in the country.
0: And um and you said that the reason for that was you were sick of white liberals.
1: Yeah, that, just not that... being able to express myself. Um I feel like I have to hide who I am in academia because you're already in a very close environment, a lot of snobbish, pompous people <laughs> that have ego trips. And I was actually talking I've Talked to a couple of my friends private messages. One of my friends, she left academia about three weeks ago. Like she's just like, "Fuck, I'm never going to come back to this." Uh And I'm not at that point. I can tolerate it, but I figured if I'm going to go into academia, it's going to be on my terms. So I'm going to be a rebel in academia. Like I'm going to come in as a rebel and hopefully leave out as one too. And just yeah, don't let the
0: system corrupt you.
1: Yeah, definitely, because it's basically like cloning people to the point where. Um, you have to be politically aligned with these people, these administrators, with the people in your department. It they don't tell you that, but that's pretty much the messaging I get. You know, I'm the only black person in the department. As a student, you know, usually for years, I, it was like there's me and one other black person. Uh huh. And
0: and you went to you I UT. went to UT
1: Knoxville. Yeah, yeah. And this experience is completely different from the one I had at Middle Tennessee State when I got my first master's, and then I got my second master's and PhD at UT. But the people there, I mean, they're nice, cordial, but politically you cannot go outside of their little blue bubble. No, 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 no it's, it's obvious that it's like that. Like, actually, that's actually someone in that apartment running for local office in Knoxville. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so, it, so it's very clear where the affiliation is. And when you talk about issues that are outside of, like, the, the bullshit, like sort of like the culture war issues... You really start to see how people align. And when you talk about the
0: polite the, liberal stance, you know, if you don't have the polite liberal stance, yeah, just
1: even even the COVID stuff. Yeah. even when no, the COVID, yeah, yeah. Just like the black community's view about COVID was completely different from the white liberals view of COVID or even the white conservative. But we basically had to listen to what these scientists tell us, like they call them scientists or whatever. But we know that they politicized it so bad. Well, and yeah, so people are science skeptical. is only what you make of it. People are skeptical of authority as it is, and so then you start telling people this message, that message, and so people, I'm like, that's not how a lot of people feel about COVID. But right. then they lump us like, oh, you must be some Trump guy or some. Right, right, right. I'm you suddenly... like, why, why does that make me a Trump person because I disagree on this one issue? Right. And so that's what they do. They put you in a box, and so it's like, and you're scared to say anything. And yeah, you, I'm not going to argue with people. And you like lose
0: that. your like. I mean, I think it's weird in the first place that gays, blacks, um, women, uh, trans people, whoever it may be, have a certain political clout in liberal circles. I think that's odd, but it's the, it's the fact of the matter. It's basically Democratic
1: Party just in higher well, yeah. education. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But if you
0: break with the, with the political orthodoxy, you lose that clout no doubt you become yeah. like, um, somebody was talking about, I think Clarence Thomas, mm-hmm. um, that Clarence Thomas, because he has an inter, I think it was Glenn Greenwald mm-hmm. was on Megan Kelly's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, not my favorite podcast, but she has guests that I like. And he was saying like, you know, Clarence Thomas is married to a white woman. Right. Clarence Thomas is in an interracial marriage, something that was illegal 70 years ago, 80 years ago. Up until
1: 67. Yeah. Love
0: versus Virginia. Yeah. yeah. And instead of viewing that as a sign of progress, because he has conservative principles, liberals look at him and call him a race traitor.
1: Oh, I know. Yeah.
0: And like an Uncle Tom, like throw these obscene derogatory attacks at him. Whether, yeah. you, whether you agree with this politics yeah, or not, I've seen he's it. Yeah, I've a seen black stuff man. It. Yeah, for sure. If he had the right, if he had the right politics, he would be. It wouldn't matter. Like if he was like West, Joe Biden. Well,
1: it's like most of the people who support Biden don't even agree with his policies, but they just support him because they have the same letter.
0: Yes, yes. It has just,
1: nothing to do with their actual views. Like it just, it's ridiculous. These same, these Me Too people, and it's like you have a rapist in office.
0: Is Biden <laughs> a rapist? Yeah, he's oh, a rapist. Yeah. I mean, what was it? In I the mean, the if
1: you believe Reed, which terror-y, I believe Reed and they, and they smeared her and wrote her off, the mainstream media did, and everyone else. And so, when it's convenient, these people, or they go out of the spotlight, like the Rose McGowans and the, the Tara Reed's, they go out of the spotlight when they break with Hollywood, when they break with the liberal establishment. That means you have to be something else, and that something else is never a positive. Right. And so, well, I kind of got it this. Is cent-
0: the, it, I mean, I don't know about Tara Reed, but like, I feel like somebody, or Rose McGowan's kind of crazy, but. Like <laughs> yeah, if you shit. if you <laughs> once you once you get kicked out of that bubble, honestly the air is fresher, the water is
1: it can be or you can join another plantation you know so it's like, oh, that's so eleg- you have the red plantation and you have the blue well, plantation well no that's what a
0: lot of people do a lot of gays right mm-hmm. now have they've been ejected from or have ejected themselves from the liberal bubble and they've fallen right into the conservative bubble no and doubt now they're now they're like gays for trump and And i'm like guys guys please just can we just can can you just be out of it can you just be out of the whole thing (laughs) um i mean there's one there's one black kid that's gay he's a gay black i don't know how he's probably like maybe 20 and he's the most annoying fucking instagrammer i've ever seen in my life because he gets on... He'll get on Instagram and just like... He'll have like a, a Chick-fil-A cup and he's like in his car like drinking from the Chick-fil-A cup. He's like, Oh my God, this tastes so good because it was made by conservatives! And you're wow. like, what is... Dude, you are having... An, I can't wait for him to have like a brain aneurysm on camera because he does get like way out of control. Like, But it's, it's just so... They just keep making everything so black and white. It's
1: one way to binary. People like, love binaries, man, because do. they don't have to think except about. Except for things. the
0: non-binaries.
1: Yeah, for sure. Except for the non-binaries. <laughs> yeah, man. They don't have to think about anything, and um, it makes their life feel easier. But it's never going to be easy. It's just, um, and they've used the generational wave beautifully, because twenty uh-huh. years from now. Our kids will argue about the same things that we argued about 20 years ago. Look at direct war. When it happened the early 2000s, the Bush people were hated by the liberals. Uh-huh. And now the Bush people are the liberals' friends. Oh, yeah. they their friends because they all hate Trump. So oh, they yeah. have a mutual enemy now. Because they,
0: everybody finally realized, oh, they're all liberals. They're all liberals. Republicans yeah. and Democrats are all liberals. And when Trump came into the room and said, hey, there's other forms of uh, political organization. Populism. When Bernie came into the room and mm-hmm. said, hey, populism, people went, Ugh! and the conservatives and the, uh, the, the Republicans and the Democrats Join joined hands. together and said, get this shit out of here. Mm-hmm. And they, they squashed Bernie. They, Trump somehow managed to – that was one thing. When he defeated Hillary Clinton, I was like, oh, the The machine isn't it's it's broken it doesn't it- it's not squashing every every political dissident anymore hmm um democracy is kind of working
1: yeah but even then i think retrospectively i think now that that tells me that just trump is just part of the deep state all along he j- i think he has um i think he has shrewder tendencies but he's still part of the same system he, you can't just he magically did. know you can't just know fucking jeffrey epstein just magically everyone mm. knows him how, how is it that everyone knows the same fucker every time <laughs> Th- that means that they're all part of the same club i mean maxwell was at the clinton's wedding yeah i think it was at uh chelsea's wedding so i mean so it was trump and trump was too so you can't tell me that there's not a line that, that's broken down there. And like I said, I have a guest that sort of explains their intricacy a little bit more. But this stuff is not make-believe. This stuff is not coincidence. This stuff is because these people are part of the same um, brokers. They're part of the same class. And, um, and going back to the Power academia brokers. thing, these people, and they're good people, but, but they they don't realize that classes that they are, like the whole idea of academia uh-huh. it it's a class based problem right, and that's when you lose me as a black person because even though you have a lot of good negroes <laughs> that are willing to carry the water you know for uh-huh. for the establishment, I'm not gonna do that, and um, I think you don't have to sell yourself out to get your point across in academia. I think that there are good teachers in academia but the system as a whole definitely has this way of squeezing out the life of individual listen that you thought you had out. Yeah. And like I said, when you talk to the people there, um, culturally, you can be on the same page with them, but outside of the culture issues that we really can't do anything about, you know, there's no policy about actual cultural issues. You turn the page economically, there's just such a disconnect between... Like, cultural issues, meaning, like, what do you mean? I mean, like, we can agree that like, oh, yeah, we, we're LGBTQ friendly. That's great. I mean, <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, what is that, is that the standard? Like, yeah, fucker, I get it. Like, I have a lot of friends that are gay, trans, black, white, you know, different nationalities, religions. Like, we get I that. I do, too. But at some point, like, when do you start talking about actual issues... Right. And that's the problem that I have with a lot of the people that I work like with. Like
0: poverty in the black community. Yeah. Or mental illness.
1: That's in just the, like the Juneteenth in the gay thing com- gay in and and Knoxville. The Juneteenth thing in Knoxville. I probably had some co workers that were in the March of the Juneteenth Knoxville um, thing. And then you have Pride as well, you know, in June. I'm saying to myself, there were more white people in the crowd than black people. And I'm like, this is supposed to be a black holiday? This is not a black holiday anymore. And I didn't even post shit about dude, Juneteenth this dude, year. Pride? I didn't post shit about Juneteenth this year because I'm saying to myself, they're co-opting this just like they did everything uh, yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, this, yeah. It's like MLK Day. It's like all of a sudden the white people love MLK. Yeah. And I'm saying to myself. Which,
0: I mean, okay, like MLK Day, I think it is perfectly appropriate for everybody. White, Black, Asian, Pacific Islander, whatever, to look at Martin Luther King and go, okay, that is a that is a a, a true leader. That is someone you should look up to, um, you know. But despite his foibles, like good, good guy. Mm-hmm. But when the, w- the Juneteenth thing and the Pride thing too, the Pride thing got co-opted as well. When oh, I yeah, see dear. when I see the uh, the the Marine Corps and the Air Force and All the these White companies. House. And Raytheon mm-hmm. posting about how pro- how they're so proud of their LGBTQ plus members. I'm like, oh yeah, this clearly d- isn't representing marginalized communities anymore. No, it's these not. are the most powerful organizations on the face of the earth. Yeah, virtue signaling.
1: That's all it is. That, that, that's all it is. And I know that there's some individuals that have strong convictions about people, and they do genuinely care about LGBTQ people and black absolutely. people. Absolutely but but there's definitely a point where it reach, reaches a critical mass and people are just making money off of it. Yes. You get you attract more people. Oh my gosh, I didn't know how progressive that company is. Let me give and some that, money to them. Yeah.
0: Now. And that's one of the worst thing, tragedies I saw. I I, don't, I it's not really a tragedy. It's just like a disturbing development of um since 2020. Since since Black Lives Matter started. Mm-hmm. Because Black Lives Matter did start as a grassroots organization mm-hmm. and now it is a corporate uh, uh, almost said Nazi Nike, <laughs> Nike funded, you know, like it's
1: it's yeah, in 2013, it was actually grassroots, right? Uh, but but also, if you look at the 2014 situation with Ferguson, there were no white people going crazy on Facebook about Michael Brown, right? No one was talking about Michael Brown or well, Alton Sterling, not the white people, I I not saw, even the liberals. I saw very some few liberals. of them, I saw some liberals, very few of them. And trust me, I'm looking at the timelines and stuff, and I'm saying to myself, "You fast forward that though. Now the proportions are so out of line. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's say like everyone was I mean, active. Everyone was I mean, an activist with George Floyd. All everyone was an activist. Your great grandmother was in the street. <laughs> Your grandmother was in the street. Everybody had something to say about it. Everyone wanted to be on the right side of history. Yeah. And now, as m- one of my friends was basically pointed out, like. You're going to forget about George Floyd a year from now just watching Oh, CD. yeah. And it's like oh, yeah. flew flip the page and look at what happened because now. He got, else because he in got the news. sucked
0: up into a pop culture machine. So he, he, he was just like a sort of avatar mm-hmm. at that point. Yeah. He wasn't a, uh, I
1: don't know. He became this, this avatar for the Democrats, you know. Yes, yes. Biden got in. You know, he basically needed anything he could to get in office. You know, all the help he could get because... <clears throat> we knew no one was voting for that mannequin otherwise. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. so, I mean, he needed something as far as social, um, uprising to be on his side, you know? And so yep. that's, that's what happened.
0: Yep. And I mean, you going back to what you just said about how like everybody is a black lives matter activist. Now, like I've had, I mean, I've watched organizations in this town, straight people put on a pro, a, not going to name which organization, (laughs) but like a straight, a church in town put on a pride festival, the first pride festival in this town's history. Mm -hmm. A bunch of straight people put on the pride festival. Mm -hmm. I was not, I, I know people that are somewhat close to me, some of which are tangentially related to me that helped organize this event never let me know about it never uh consulted me about it I, I, and i'm not saying like oh why did you not consult the faggot about this you can't do that <laughs> but it's also like wait what if what if what if we flipped the, the table what if we what if we change the script a little bit and a bunch of white people said hey we're gonna put on a black history month celebration uh. and it was a bunch of white people having a barbecue
1: Oh, <laughs> in celebration of black history. Like it's just odd. It sounded like there's some shit. They did it at Vanderbilt a few years ago. I think they got some flag or Belmont. Whoa. One of them got they had collard greens at this banquet <laughs> and people raised hell about it. They said this is the most stereotypical shit ever. I don't know when that happened, but it basically speaks to what you were talking about. That yeah. that actually happened. And it's and
0: it's just it's it was it was I don't I I I don't want to say it was insulting that I wasn't it it offend it. Ooh, am I gonna be say that I was offended? I was sort of offended mm-hmm. that that I wasn't asked to be a part of it or that I wasn't consulted about whether they should do it or not. Like I don't really think they should. It's appropriate for a church to celebrate gay pride, right? Like I don't care how progressive your church is. Pride is a celebration of sexuality. Mm-hmm. Full stop. And if it's and if and if you say that it's not that it's more than that now, well then you're taking you're taking pride in making it something else, mm-hmm. which is also a no no in yeah. the liberal. You're pro, It's called cultural appropriation, dum dums.
1: Exactly what it is is, and um, you actually made me think of something. It's kind of what they did with the monuments, with the Confederate monuments, my high school, which they changed the name. at correct me if I'm wrong, in the audience, but. These motherfuckers went from Franklin High School rebels to the commanders of some shit. I mean, I'm saying, like, like okay. what's the fucking difference? I mean, <laughs> right, it's like, right, right. To, my whole thing was this. I argued that if, you, if you're that worried about political correctness and stuff, just don't use mascots, don't use people as mascots. Use an inanimate an object or use an animal or something. Don't use human beings. Right, right, to, right. Because the blue, there's like always the, going to be a problem. Like the
0: NTSU Blue Raiders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is, you know what that was.
1: I, mean, I can't. To, I not think it was anything good. I mean, it's,
0: it was. It's, it was Nathan Bedford Forrest. Antebellum um, South, South. Well, Nathan Bedford Forrest cavalry. Oh wow! Yeah, that's why it's a horse. And when when things got modern, they went. Oh well, we'll we'll paint it blue and give it shit. a lightning
1: bolt. Paint so it clan shit and doctor it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and Make yeah, it yeah, look yeah. good. Yeah. No, but uh, it it kind of goes into the whole idea. in my school. Where they basically, and I signed a petition, I was like, fuck, whatever, you know, to make these white people think that they're changing the world, you know, by changing a, a mascot. Right. Because that's, that's what, that's the liberals' approach to, to social change. Correct. Their transformative change is decorations, putting mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter in the street corner, Painting on the statue. Taking down streets. the statue. Yeah. We're going to really de- defeat white supremacy, This this ill that we can't see, we can't touch it, we can't lick it, <laughs> but we can just. We can just think we're eliminating terrorism and racism and white supremacy. It's never going to go away. Right. It just morphs into other things, you know. And so, and that's and it's what always, it's going That's to the do. thing that they don't. I think um, very topical, very superficial ways right. of looking at it. And and white people led this initiative. Like they they hadn't talked to anybody black on the committee at all at Franklin High School. Complete. I'm just is like there this,
0: anyone black on the committee at Franklin High School? I don't know. There,
1: there are a couple of black principals and stuff in the area. I don't know, but I it just the way it felt. It felt very white, uh-huh. and it felt very, um, it. I I don't know. Is is it's just like a business meeting? Wasn't it wasn't like, right. This right, is not. No, that's exactly like you guys. Yeah. This is not activism. It's like, very corporate. This it's is very, not activism at all. Right. I mean, this is this is. Um, I I'll give a good intention, but but that's as far right, as I can Right, there's a good know. intention, that's but all that's all it is.
0: It. That's it. There's no follow through. There's no there's no oh, we have this good intention. Let's go out into the world, see how the world that we that we want to change feels about it. See how we can actually affect change in the world, which is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. You're going to get mud on your hands. You're going to get your elbows dirty. But you, that's what you have to do, and they're like, "Oh no, let's think of the easiest possible way to let everyone know that we have good intentions, mm-hmm. and f- stop and stop there."
1: Oh, clearly, let's you know, stop there. Wear a t-shirt with a slogan on it, you know. Yeah. Get people get a lot of likes and views on it, and and the Black Lives Matter thing, where they where they're painting it on the streets. hmm
0: It's like they did it in East Nashville. Yeah. And I n- noticed it for the first time the other day because I was like, wait, why is the road like black and yellow un- bl- buzzing by under my car? Mm-hmm. And then I remembered, oh, they painted black. I can't even tell that's what it says. Mm-hmm. You have to be in a helicopter to be able to read it.
1: Yeah. Ah! Yeah. It's just... Great.
0: Great job, guys.
1: Yeah. It's it's really disturbing if you think about it. I call it the the opportunism of historicism. That's what I call okay, it.
0: Unpack that for us.
1: Well, basically, it's just in the moment. The only reason why this catalyst occurred is because George Floyd was murdered. So that that for the first time in a lot of people's lives, it raised their consciousness. And they decided to maybe want to do something. They stepped outside of their comfort zone for once in their life. Mm-hmm. But that's the idea. Uh, for a lot of black people, reparations is, is that would be a step to showing like a genuine sort of acknowledgement, not that type of decorative activism that they see as activism. That's something that's tangible. We can actually see, okay, that takes passing through government bodies. That takes a lot of thought. Like what does reparations look like? It It takes a lot of thought. It's not just a petition and you sign it and then you put your good name on it. This is, no, we're talking about policy. Which is going to produce, you know, tangible outcomes and cultural
0: change. And honestly. cultural
1: change for sure, because see, if that happens, even conservative people would be like, they may not like it, but they're like, okay, this is legitimate now, right? Right. Because right. we've we've discussed it, we've argued about it, and we we see that there's an end game to it. It's not just, um, you know, money given out and boom, that's it. No, th- this is a strategy behind it. You know, this is an initiative. And that's what people want to see if you don't even have to agree with the person. But I just think that's what I like to discuss. I like to discuss the actual issues and not these symbolic gestures that that seem to come out of Washington. Because I know
0: a lot of um, conservative, legitimately conservative people, not Republicans that go to church and stand up and say, (laughs) yell amen louder than everybody else. But like the actual genuine conservative people that have somewhat socially conservative views Mm -hmm. that are far more likely to be on board with something like a genuine reparations for black people in America than your average, uh, liberal democratic politician who says Mm. we need it, but who, when it comes down to actually implementing something or getting something Getting something together that's politically popular enough to be able to do mm-hmm. and economically feasible, I, they 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 come up they come up short every time. Whereas, I know people in this community that are genuine conservatives and probably have said the N word mm-hmm. in a derogatory sense. That would, if you gave them a pl- an actual reparations plan, might might go,
1: huh? Oh, yeah, all right.
0: But I think think that
1: makes sense, you know, but (laughs) your accent. But see, I think there's a lot of people, man. A lot of it is just opportunity in the moment. Like I was saying, opportunism of historicism, Yeah, because people want to capitalize off the moment, whether it's for good or bad, whether it's politically driven or not. And I, I really, like I said, going back to the conservative liberal argument, I think they're the same people. I just think that— Well, Republic, I, I, Republicans the, and Democrats I think that the position, yeah, I think the position in that situation where you have a person that um, they're sort of upset about a side of the system, yeah, they may give something to try one time. And that's why I like the idea of coalition building. I think the third parties need to, to band together mm-hmm. around certain issues like war or economic struggles. Right. And put pressure on the duopoly, but, but the issue is that the duopoly won't advertise it. And, and like by I duopoly, said, by
0: duopoly, you mean just for the listeners, duopoly, you mean the Republican and uh, Democratic or capture— Or the Dem
1: Republicans, the one party state the that argues it yeah. It's a one party state. Or the Republicans you... or the Dem Republicans, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. It's the same damn thing, but because um, they're both corporatist parties. And I talked about that in my first yes. interview um, at Kiko, Kiko's Free Thinkers Forum with Martin and he broke it down very well because he's from Spain, and so they have a parliamentary system there with six viable parties. So you right, can right. see the deficiencies of the one-party system that we have here, right. which is just a rotating villain every single time. Yep. It's always a rotating villain, you know? Just And, like it now,
0: all, and for, for all those Republicans listening... That are thinking, oh, America's great. It's got a fine democratic system. (laughs) It used to. It used to have a democratic system Mm -hmm. to a certain extent. Now, what we're talking about, this duopoly that developed, has only been around for about 150. I mean, it's post-Civil War. Yeah. It's... um, Post Gilded Age. I mean, even Teddy Roosevelt was
1: the third party. Right, right, right. So yeah, you're right. Talking 120 we're talking a hundred and twenty years. We're talking, we're talking
0: like pretty much like New Deal to now. Yeah, to New Deal to now for to sure, present. definitely. And I just heard this was very interesting. Do you know minchus Moldbug? Um, I've heard
1: the name before. Yeah, yeah.
0: He's like a, uh, mm he's an online personality mm-hmm. who's a political theorist, loosely, but he described. <laughs> I mean, he described uh, Franklin Roosevelt as America's last dictator. Mm hmm. And people think, you know, Democrats think of him as like, you know, this great. I don't, Democrats don't think often that much, but.
1: Yeah, he's the great guy who turned the Japanese people.
0: Yeah, I mean, he literally took over the state and said, what I will will be what happens. Mm hmm. And he turned it into a technocracy. Yeah. And we've lived with that ever since. And Eisenhower, one of the last true Republican presidents, warned us about that. Yeah, he, he did. said, hey, look about at a this. Lot of this, stuff. Is, this is the, the way the military has turned into this shadow corporation mm-hmm. that's going to have to continue to be funded because money always needs to be spent. I mean, money always needs to be made. And we've gotten into the business of making money off of war and war machines. Oh, yeah. Like he's he and he wasn't wrong. America has been in continual war since the end of World War II.
1: hmm You could really argue since its foundation, but it's only gotten worse, especially after the World War World War World, World, World Wars yeah. because you have um the incentive you I think that's when the family unit really developed. Um the whole idea of having an American made car, um factory work you know, establishing a middle class. Yeah. Even though you had inequities in the country, you still had the idea of a middle class. Right. And, um... But that
0: got hollowed out in the 70s.
1: Yeah, it did. It did. Um And I would argue that, like I said, I, I'm I'm basically an anti-capitalist. I'm not saying... But I do acknowledge that capitalism is not going anywhere. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not a fool. Like, I know that capitalism is not going anywhere. I just think that, um... The the stage that we're in is um is beyond crony capitalism. It's um oh it's it's
0: psychological warfare capitalism. I just I like just, it's it's the most powerful institutions in the world have turned have become private corporations that use psychological manipulation to. Mm -hmm. keep us consuming products that we don't need.
1: There you go. Consumerism, man.
0: And that's, that's, i make a big decision. I'm not an anti-capitalist because I look at capitalism as the way we got out of feudalism. That's true. Back in the day where you said, okay, private property exists. You can have your own private property. You can accumulate capital so that you can start your own business, your own farm, your own whatever. Mm -hmm. You don't, you don't need a Lord to uh, give you permission. Mhm. But that turned into crony capitalism in the gilded age and finally this corporate I mean when when republic when republicans defend this modern when they defend capitalism I think what they're defending is like the old school um Adam Smith description yeah. of free markets. What they're what they either don't realize or blind to or are just you know willfully ignorant of is the fact that corporations have become as powerful or more powerful than the state no doubt and so no doubt. when that kind of power accrues I, I don't care where it i don't care if it's in quote unquote private or public hands it's no no good
1: no it's never good and um and i mean anti-capitalism in the sense that I mean you gotta remind, you gotta realize to win the United States, I mean, I, that's what's ridiculous about it. Our socialists here are, are super capitalist. I, I I quote unquote socialist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm using that very loosely. I don't mean like I said, I would be okay with you know, the state just dissolving completely. Like I would be okay <laughs> with that. But I mean that's not realistic. No no it's no. not realistic at all because um all the control, like you said, is in the hands of the corporations, and so and the danger of this is now these corporations can tell us, you know, what information is acceptable and what's not acceptable. Uh-huh. Like, and that that's what has occurred. Yeah. While we all point fingers at you know figureheads and stuff like we're the country is really is is becoming dumber than it was before. It's only going to get dumber than what it was before, yeah. and that's going to affect the school system even more. Well, and, and it's going to deter people who um, have a passion to teach. It's going to make them not want to teach anymore. Like, it's going to make them want to do something else. And that's honestly part of the reason why I want to have one foot in academia and one foot out because uh-huh. I will reach way more people with the podcast and I can still use it as a platform to educate. And people can see the legitimacy in the, in the information. But at the same time, you know, still you know, use the same brick and mortar system that we had before. Uh, uh, and, and that's just for my personal income. I have to make money some kind of way. right? Right. And so at that point, academia would just be a way to, to get a check. And I love my students. I want to connect to my students, but the system just suffocates people a lot more. And so it's hard to um, enjoy being in an environment like that. And so the podcast, and I say save my life, And it will continue to save my life. That's not a podcast, save my life. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Instead of the DJ, it's a podcast. Um, Yeah, well, there's, I mean, there's a lot of
0: interesting things. Like, going back to education, the whole point of modern education has left the realm of, again, since the early 20th century, it's left the realm of, hey, you need to, we need to put people in a space where they can explore ideas freely and be exposed to new and challenging ideas that mm-hmm. they may not have encountered before. That's what education historically has been until the beginning of the 20th century when the technocrats said, actually, we can expand education. Because before the 20th century, What? 4% of the,
1: population Very small percentage of the population
0: went to regular school. Mm-hmm. Less than 1% went to higher education. Mm-hmm. Now, well, 100% of the population is required to go to regular school. Mm-hmm. And then... I, I, now you just have it, the higher education is it industrial complex is it 50% now?
1: of people yeah, going to easily, higher education? Easily. Yeah. And you have a lot of adults that are older that go back... To school now that's very common now yeah. you know people post and it's not just you know people
0: old. point out that it's um have commonly pointed out that the education system has turned into a job training mm-hmm. program essentially they want to make sure that everyone knows basic reading basic math so that when they get out into the corporate world they can easily be sucked up and put in be cogs in the machine. But they don't point out also that the the education industry itself has turned into like uh, the military industrial complex it's, for profit. it's become a machine that has to keep making money. Curriculums have to constantly be developed and updated. Yeah. Textbooks have to be printed every year. For sure. Like,
1: the same fucking textbook, they they literally flipped the chapters. Yeah. And they just put them in a different order. It's the same book and they changed the branding on it and change, make the pretty colors. And tell the, and and tell the bookstores so you can't money. sell the old one. Yeah. Yeah, you can't even. And a lot of times you get like maybe a quarter of what is actually what you paid for it originally. And yeah. there's no marks in the pages or anything. It's, it's just it's completely a business, for-profit business. And that's why cancellation of student debt is such a big issue now still. Because it's been an issue, but like I'm 150000 in debt from from higher uh-huh. education. Just to prove, I'm not paying any of that shit back. I'm, I'm telling the listeners, I'm not, I don't give a fuck if Joe Biden or Trump or anybody hears it themselves. Fuckers, I'm not paying any of that back. Like I say, you guys are going to freeze my account or whatever, but I'm not paying it back. And Can I don't you think like
0: moved to Malta or something. I moved to Malta.
1: <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> no, but it's just, I mean, how did they expect people to get traction like that? And being an educator, you, why wouldn't that just be forgiven anyway? I mean, I've given 15 right, right, right. years of service in education already, and I'm not even 40 yet. Until two days. <laughs> oh. Yeah, dude. It's Happy coming
0: pre birthday.
1: I appreciate it. But I'm still less than forty for the listeners because I got a lot of friends right, right, that give right, me right. flack because I'm almost forty. But I'm not there yet. You know, you <laughs> old bastards, but I'm almost there. But yeah, it's just one of those things where um the education system, public or private, is just I just don't know, man. The value of it, the, the quality of the product, I don't know if it's going to be there. The way people are getting their information right now, it's almost... Um, and i tell you, the way people... Even the academics that make it on television, I don't think they really give a, a true representation of how academia really is. Uh-huh. They, um, because like I was saying in another podcast with you, you have the bookseller professors and then you have the professors that actually teach in the classroom... Mm-hmm. Because you have a lot of people, they make more money off seminars and lectures than they do teaching, right? you know, for, for whatever university they they employ them. They don't make money from the school. They make money from these, these public right. engagements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's a serious problem to me. To me, that's an ethical problem. To me, if you're an educator, you're supposed to educate. Yeah, I'm not going to yeah. charge $20,000 right, right. to give a speech. Right. Like, really? So what right. should I do? Should I Should I make $10,000 off my defense? Yeah. Like... That'd be nice to get a $1,000 kickback for giving the dissertation defense. That's ridiculous. Yeah. But and yeah, I've, 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 that now. I've,
0: I've thought about that because when I've invited um, professors onto this show, like, you know, I've reached out, I've, I've, one, I've reached way over my head to, you know, people, I've sent emails to like Jordan Peterson or, uh, uh, <laughs> no what's response. his name, um, Glenn Lowry.
1: Oh, um, Yeah. Oh, who? Else.
0: McWater, uh John McWhorter, not Glenn Lowry, John McWhorter. Okay. Um, he actually wrote me back and said, I'm sorry, I have my own linguistics podcast. I've got this podcast with Glenn and I'm on a book tour. Mm-hmm. No way I'm going to be able to make that happen. And I was like, Can't make cool. no money off of it. Thank you. <laughs> well, 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 that's also, I thought about that too. Like, I have, if I had written him and said, you know, our, we have a budget for $8,000 for speaker fee hmm Would he have? Would, have would changed, he have said? You oh have gotten, yeah, I can pull my laptop up and get on a Zoom responses. call that, with you. That
1: irritates me so much. And and like I said, that goes into. Now I like John
0: McWhorter. Don't get me wrong. I, yeah, yeah, but, yeah.
1: But that kind of goes into the ethical part of me. But right. like I said, every individual has a right to do what they want. And I don't believe in taking people like individual like taking their money source away. I'm just saying, me personally, that's what I mean. A lot of times when I say I'm anti-capitalist, especially like um. Across the board, stuff like that, information is really delicate. But the way we just um, monetize everything... Thank you for saying that. Information
0: is very delicate.
1: It seems like everything is just monetized. It's like, why should someone have to pay that kind of money, man, just to get some information? Like, If you want people to have um, free-thinking minds, it's like you have to give them enough information to have the free thought from because with the corporate information that we get... The garbage that we get now, it's like you can't be a free thinker based on that stuff. No, and and my argument has always been, if you're gonna go all corporate, read all the different types of corporate media, not just the blue corporate, the red corporate, you have to read it all and sort of get your own conclusions. But even then, it's like you're just limited. You have to be able to to even then you're still gonna be a liberal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. But I kind of want to go back a little bit more into like the the personal dilemma. In academia, just um, the HBCU you mentioned, mm-hmm. going, uh, pursuing occupation just in a black college. We don't yeah, have explain that. Explain so-
0: your reverse racism we, to the listeners.
1: We don't have that kind of the, just the verbiage itself is problematic because we don't see white universities as PWIs, predominantly white institutions. We call them University of Tennessee Knoxville. We call them the University of Georgia. We call them by their names. But a lot of times, Mm -hmm. we don't call it Howard University. We call it, oh, it's a black school. It's a black university. It's an HBCU. And that gets beat down in your head so much, and you start to believe, okay, that means that the black schools must be lower quality. They're weaker. They're underfunded Uh more. But the, the scholarship is there it's, it has nothing to do with the scholarship. It has to do with the, the underfunding of the HBCUs. Right, right, right. And that's something that Trump actually did. It was a good thing. Trump actually funded the HBCUs for 10 years. No other president had did that before, and a lot of people don't—the media's not going to tell you that because— Well, no, because they have to do an anti-Trump And just like his shit that he did with the Opportunity Zones and stuff. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not a Trump supporter, but he did a lot of things that attracted black people that I know, and I know that's why they support him, because of economic issues. And black education is a big deal. That was a big gesture just to get someone to sign on for 10 years to— HBCU so they wouldn't have to keep coming Every year for funding because that's what They had to do even Obama didn't give them Funding like that and so But Trump did give them that funding And like I said they basically made a closed Door meeting to where Their reputation wasn't damaged Because they couldn't be associated with the orange monster Right and so that's The kind of shit that we deal with now man Like black people it's like our stuff is always Is never primary Concern it's always like push it To the back of the line That's where reparations, I don't think it would ever have serious discussion. Even this past election cycle, the only reason why it had serious discussion was because it involved the Democrats and the Republicans fighting over who could politicize reparations more. Right. It had nothing to do with the reparations issue itself. It had nothing
0: to do with actually getting reparations done. It had to do with getting a Republican or a Democrat elected.
1: That's all it was. Like Even when Ice Cube was trying to get that point across it, to the people on the forums that he was on, they were more concerned about how is Trump going to use this to his advantage? How is Biden? Right. Will, they didn't even. Right. It's not even about black people at that point. It's no. just about political agendas. And, um, and that's and why. And Ice Cube got criticized for meeting with Trump. For sure. Of course. Why would you. But that's. He's but trying to.
0: He's talking to a, a quote unquote Republican president mm-hmm. about getting reparations passed. Mm hmm. What's the problem?
1: But I what? think, but I think it's kind of like what Killer Mike was saying, and even Cornell West said this when Cornell West had a, a conversation with Candace Owens. It was about a year or so ago. Really, they had a. He didn't, you have to, didn't, watch to watch that interview on YouTube. <laughs> Candace Owens and Cornell West. There was a bartender there. He had like um, this handlebar mustache. And they're like there at the bar talking, discussing politics. Yeah, man. Interesting. Yeah, they always this stuff happens all the time. But yeah, yeah. Of course, they're not going to show that much, or the algorithm no. of YouTube is not going to promote that because that would show conservative conservatives and liberals, or leftists and righties, like actually having civil conversations, right? Agreeing on a lot of stuff. They don't want you to see that, you know? Yeah. Because then you would actually have to talk about things in a productive, constructive way. And um, it's just it's one of those things What Cornell West and Killer Mike was saying when when you propose black issues to black people, that's threatening to the status quo, whether it's black on black violence or anything, just like the gun control stuff. Is never in the context of black people are killing each other. Not, over ninety percent right. of us, we kill each other more than white people do. But they make it seem like it's just white supremacy killing black people. When right. the reality is that black people are living with other black people. Right. All, this is what happens. Right. This is the reality. Well, I mean, you look at not you look some at, bullshit. I, like I know that stuff happened in Buffalo, and I know the stuff happened in Texas. Well, look no at one's look, look taking at Chicago
0: that over the Fourth of July weekend. Mm-hmm. You had all the headlines reporting mass shooting in Chicago mm-hmm. at, by this white kid. He shot up a parade. Tragedy. Horrible yeah. incident. They The headlines don't report the 75 or so black people that were killed by other black people in Chicago and routinely are during the summer months on mm-hmm. the weekends. Yeah. And it's and they, they act like, it, to bring that up, they act like it's racist to bring that up because you're, oh, bleh, well, you're mm-hmm. saying black people are more violent and they kill each other. No, I'm not. I'm saying that mm-hmm. this is happening. Mm-hmm. Your, your avoidance of the issue seems a bit racist to me. Yeah, because
1: then they would have to. You're not reporting black news. Mm-hmm. They would have to try to do something about it. Um, and they don't want to do it. They want the ghetto to be confined to the ghetto. They want it to be contained. Um, I honestly, and that's what, that's why I draw the line. Even with my friends, I draw the line. I, I think even the most good willing friends of mine, cause talked to my friends about this white liberals, which 80% of my friends are white liberals and good. <laughs> and gentrification is such a big issue to me. And just like not just the violent aspect of black communities, but the way like these communities are changing so much. Yep. And um, and I was talking to a friend about what, what would it look like if your community went from all your neighbors being white to all your neighbors being black and Latin? <laughs> like, how right. would you feel then? How would it seem to you then? Right. And it's like, I don't think people are confronted with that because they live in their own little happy space but you just wait until the demographics change it, it It'll be just like it was with white flight in the '50s and the '60s right when right. the suburbs have these transformative changes with the demographics the The same thing I believe would happen. I think people would want to go away. they want to leave the black people for whatever reasons. I don't know if they think their property would go down in value. I don't know if they'd be scared well, that the, the thing, violence would get there because I think they're the, basically admitting there that black people are violent. As a whole, if you have this sort right, of... but they're right, implicitly solemnly saying... Solemnly message, yeah, message, yeah, yeah. you're basically but, saying that if I'm that uncomfortable with black people, you think that we're violent anyway. I think what,
0: I think the, the distinction that, that white liberals make, and li- honestly just liberals at this point, make now is, is my neighbor college educated or not? And so if you have, if you're a white liberal living in East Nashville and a black person moves in next door and they are have they have a middle class income and they have a degree the person's gonna go the the white liberal's gonna go next door and bring them a basket and be like hey how are you doing oh yeah and then they'll they'll tell everybody oh this new couple just moved in next door they're black it's great i love diversity in the neighborhood mm-hmm. i have a black lives matter sign in my yard too mm-hmm. but if a for obviously, this wouldn't happen because they couldn't afford it. But, mm-hmm. like, if a poor working class black family moved in next door mm-hmm. that doesn't have a college degree and doesn't talk like uh, an educated white liberal, mm-hmm. they might not be as comfortable with that.
1: Yeah, it happens all the time. Like I said, a lot of these issues, you can't, the problem with, um, And and
0: and and again, it's not to make my
1: point. It's not a race issue.
0: If a if a poor white trash family mm -hmm. moved in, it's a class issue. Thing they they would have the same opinion. It's a class
1: issue. But the 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 microscope that this country uses for black people, they put everything on us and they put the R word on us. They put race, 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 Uh race, race. But if, if you want to get intersectional, you have to always include class as well as race. It's never class. Only is never, never just race only. It's always a combination of things. Right, and, right. And with black people in academia, it's really to the point where they've really sold out. And I'm not going to call them names, but it's just, it's the whole idea of this American dream. I've made it to the upper middle class, the echelon. That's where I want to be. But that's not how America is. That White people are not doing that at that level and black people are needed. It's a matter of. The people who worked in the factories for 40, 50 years, they're not, they don't have that mentality like you do. Uh-huh. They don't have that classist mentality like right. that. They don't want to do that. They want to live comfortably, but they don't have this sort of a, a goal to to enlighten the minds and clone more people to think like that. That's not their goal. Right. right. They just want to be able to sustain for their family and enjoy a vacation every once in a while. I think that's where a lot of people want to get back to. They just want to be able to enjoy life again. Yeah. And yeah, but see, but, but when you do that with the black on black crime, it is just another way to dehumanize. And like I said, when you don't talk about it, it's just a way to not. It's a way to ignore the issue itself, right, right. which is poverty, which is the drug war, yeah. which um, is the policing problem in those neighborhoods. We talked about that before. Springfield police may not even be that much of a big deal, but a lot of these problems where police are in big centers, urban centers, yeah, 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 yeah. Democrat cities, mm-hmm. like that's where a lot of these problems are. And, and um, I
0: don't think it's, I don't think it's an issue of like. Political affiliation of the city? No, like, no. It's it's just the fact that it's a big urban center. People are people live very close to each other. They come into contact with each other often. Tensions can arise. Like and it's it's. I, I I don't think you know Republicans are always quick to point to Chicago or New York. But, or I, LA. but I say
1: that because but I say that because these are the same people. Who are um, like they're getting the, they're ciphering the votes from those people. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, no, so absolutely, that's, absolutely. That's the only reason why I pointed out is because these people are supposed to be the saviors. Like right. we, we're always told this that the Democrats are the lesser of two evil. That they're, they're, they're there for the poor common man. <laughs> they're there for the blacks and the no. LGBTQ. No. They're, they're there for us. They're there for women. Yeah, they're look, there for the look, banks. Look and... what happened Roe versus Wade got
0: overturned. Mm hmm. And they actually, had two months. Before Roe versus Wade got overturned, where America knew because of that leaked uh, this, uh, uh, yeah. draft of the decision, mm-hmm. America knew mm-hmm. that this was coming. Would well, had fourteen years. The layers. Democrats. Well, no. Like, I'm just. I'm just. I'm being. <laughs> I'm being uh, generous here. They had two months to get something to get to figure something out. Mm-hmm. Crickets. Roe versus Wade gets overturned. Nancy Pelosi sends out an email to her email list saying, Mm -hmm. we need your donations now more than ever. Mm -hmm. We need your $15. Bitch is using it as
1: a fundraising campaign. Oh, that's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, how can we not see that coming? It's the midterms.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I don't see how liberal women don't see that. Mm-hmm. How liberal women cannot look at the past, again, 14 years. Mm-hmm. The Democrats had a supermajority under Obama.
1: Mm-hmm. Just they, like They do they now. could have
0: codified legal abortion as a federal law if they mm-hmm. had wanted to. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's good or bad. Moral issue aside, they didn't do it. They didn't do their fucking jobs. Well, it's hard they to didn't do, do what they when said the speaker, they were going
1: You have a speaker that's anti-abortion... I know. I'm basing it on Pelosi. their positions. Yeah, if you read she's the fine print, she's a Catholic. She's a Catholic, just like Joe Jim Crow Joe. The same thing. Jim Crow Joe. They're both anti-abortionists. Like, just look. I mean, she helped the guy in Texas win against Cisneros. I think. I think. Her,
0: uh yeah, recently
1: in the Texas race. Yeah, it was Cuellar. He won. The race, he's openly abortion anti-abortion candidate. And Pelosi and all the Democrats endorsed him. Yep. Jeffries and all the establishment. Jim Clyburn, all of them, they all endorsed him openly. But they've always done this stuff. They always derailed the, the quote-unquote progressive candidate right, to to support the milk toast Democrat. Like, that's how yeah. they do... And they,
0: again, I'm not a progressive. I... Tend to lean more conservative. There's no
1: such thing as a progressive. But,
0: but I would much rather a progressive actually get into political that's power. There's no such
1: thing as a progressive now, though. Like that—that—that's non-existent now. Like after the Bernie Bros and that shit ended, like they basically killed well, they, yeah, any they, notion yeah. of that. Like there's no—you can't. Progressive Democrat is an oxymoron. A Democrat right. is a Republican. AOC, so you is, can't AOC be.
0: is the poster child for the fake, plastic progressive exactly. Democrat.
1: Yeah. I mean, she, she's 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 on Team Ukraine, Team Israel. <laughs> I mean, she's on Team Raytheon, Team Banks, Team Wall Street. She's
0: on Instagram.
1: That's Make what it, she is.
0: She's an Instagram influencer. Because I took
1: debate at first, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a fresh face. But it's like she she's the Latin version of Obama now. She's the Latino <laughs> Obama. That's what she is. Yeah, yeah. And I know, like I said, my friends hate hearing this stuff, so, but it's the truth. Like I said, no. I'm, I'm tired of it, and it's just, um, I don't know why people keep convincing themselves that these people really have their interests.
0: Yeah, I do not understand it. Like, she, she's going to have understand. a good career, well, and the only way that, The only way they've been able to keep it up is having Donald Trump as a monster storming around the castle, and they're like, look, if you don't vote for us yeah it's it's demagoguery it's Mm -hmm. it's fascism it's orange-haired fascism yeah it's like at this point i'm like maybe we need a little fascism because whatever (laughs) whatever we're doing right now is not working no i'm not we don't but like (laughs) but we need something new yeah this is not this is unsustainable Mm -hmm. i mean just on i I say that it's an environmental term but like even environmentally, this is unsustainable.
1: Yeah, man. Psychologically, um... this
0: is unsustainable. Socially, culturally, this is uns. politically, this is uns we live in an unsustainable situation.
1: It is And it's gonna crack. No doubt. It's already cracking. And I have people that wanna join the revolution with me. Like conservatives, liberals Don't use alike. the
0: R word on this podcast. No, I don't, man. I don't
1: want to be on any list that's not saying Oh, this. no. I, I get what you said. <laughs> no, but man, there are people down, man. I really do think that there are a lot more people down than they're willing to admit to because, like I said, that's going to be the natural course because once the economy crashes and stuff, and, and the crash is definitely around the corner, and um, like, like people think, now the gas, you think that the gas is expensive now, just wait just wait when the barrels really go up in price. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just, just keep watching. Europe is about to implode. It is imploding right now. Yeah. And like I said, it's just a matter of time. It's going to be a very tough fall for a yeah. lot of people. And um, my family's preparing, and hopefully your family's preparing as well.
0: Don't use the P word on this podcast. What I is don't that? Wanna... Prepping.
1: Prepping? What the fuck is Prep. <laughs>
0: that? Prepper. You ever heard of preppers? Preppers, oh, the people, I that, yeah, I mean, the people I that have too many cans in their basement. Not that yeah.
1: though. I mean, like the, the off-the-grid and shit, yeah, is yeah, what yeah. you mean? Oh. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn, I can't use any of the alphabet oh, yeah. on this podcast, can I? <laughs> you're so well, basic. as you know,
0: you can use the N-word, but...
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, you're silly, man. But, no, we we went we go all over the place on this podcast, but, man, it's basically... Yeah, know we were going to talk about l- education. Like, but, the hey. stuff we talk about, though, like... Just having this conversation, I could not have this conversation with anybody that I work with. That's kind of what right. I mean about, right. you don't even necessarily have to be black, but it's just kind of like the mentality of academia doesn't welcome non-academia issues in here because they purport to um, be the social warriors for those issues, for those poor people outside of academia. Like the issues we talk about, gender, sexuality, race, are supposed to have tangible effects outside academia right but they don't they just simply just these whimsical ideas yes if you're just talking to people in the room like you yes yes and the problem with it that
0: i i think the core of the problem lies in the fact that academia is the accredited or credentialed Mm-hmm. Institution that says we are the accredited, we are the the people with the credentials to talk about. Just this. like the mainstream media are, does, uh, no, precisely. Precisely. Mm-hmm. Anything that is said by an uncredentialed person does. You can't give it any weight. It is
1: qualified. They can it, yeah. say
0: whatever they want, but it doesn't. It doesn't carry any water. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, there are people. The, the amount of people that are uncredentialed that are saying important and, uh, you know, le- interesting things far outweigh the credential people.
1: I'd put my hands, I'd put my life in the hands of the uneducated, if you want to use that word, or the uncredentialed. Yeah. Because um, I, I believe that the uncredentialed, I believe in my heart that they would find a way to make it work. I mean, it can't be any worse than what we have. It, it yeah. really can't. <laughs> no, no, no. It can't be any worse than what... And see, the thing about it, the, the, the danger with the system that we have now is that these people are not good people. Even if you're a spiritual person, moral person, yeah. you can't be into politics then. like, You can't say that you're in the politics because these people are not good people. They are demons. These people are not yeah. good people. They know that they're taking over like the country. They're taking over our brains. They're taking over our bodies, and they're taking all of our money. The money that we have, the, the little bit of change that going, we do You're have, going full-blown Alex Jones right now, and I love is, it. I, I mean, love it. That's the thing about it, too. I can I can relate to the that stuff. The aliens
0: aren't the aliens aren't coming from space. They're interdimensional. They're but see, here.
1: But see, I got people. But see, we can't even dialogue with people, man. That are quote unquote out there. Man, I'll listen to Alex. i listen to Alex Jones, Bobby Jones, Barbara Jones, and Brenda Jones. I don't give a f- I would listen to all those people. <laughs> Are those all people? No, I just okay, made okay, that shit okay, up. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, <laughs> okay. I made that shit up. No, but I will listen to... It. The thing Now, I say, what happened to that where we can't even listen to different points of view? And see, the thing about it, you can call it hate or whatever, hate speech or whatever. To me, that's just a way to sort of like get rid of free speech. Oh, when, if, because whenever start I hear monitoring something free speech, yeah. it's like, at what point does it become hate speech? To right. me, it's like you can't.
0: No, you can't limit it. No, it's like,
1: is it a free or is not whenever free. I
0: hear that something is hate speech, I'm automatically drawn to it because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's heterodox. Yeah, it's heterodox. If it turns out to actually be like white supremacist shit, I'm like, OK, oh, boy. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, I want to hear that. Yeah. I want to hear somebody like Tariq Nasheed.
1: Like, yeah, it's a real thought. I, I want mean, to hear so somebody like Alex
0: Jones. I want to hear these people because, you know, I might not agree with them. I mm-hmm. might think they're kooks,
1: but yeah. they're saying stuff that I, yeah. Yeah, man. It's, um, but see, we've convinced people that you can't have that many followers and all those people just be lunatics. That's not how that works. And um, you would think that people use their common sense and and say, this person has 15 million followers and there's no validity to what they say at all. Right. Like, I just, I'm saying that doesn't even make sense. No, it doesn't. I'm just like, there's no way. And the, and the, the thing that bothers me the most is like, I have a lot of friends and you have people in your family like that. Like you have family that is on a completely different spectrum. And it's like, so why are you going to pretend that you don't have family like that? Like, do you just not talk to them at all or what? And so I'm not going to pretend that I'm somebody that I'm not. I, I I'm just going to come transparent. And I think it, people are easier to talk to them than you realize. It's just, but you have to extend the branch. Yeah. And if you're not willing to extend the branch, then you know that's your loss. But yeah. I, I really believe that the branch is there for people if they want to take it. But and it's not just one person to blame. It's it's a multiplicity of blame sometimes. And like, like you said with the Roe v. Wade stuff. It was clear as day that both both of those systems worked together. Like, that was organized together. That was a collective effort for that to happen. It wasn't just well, no, Bible-thumping conservatives. No, like, no, no, that no. was a collective effort for that yes, to happen. That was a concerted, uh,
0: active effort to stop abortions in America.
1: And like I said, Medicare but, for All, if we have Medicare for All, I argue that that doesn't even become an issue. Because, like Martine was saying on my first episode... That's tied to the healthcare system in Spain. Abortions are legal under the healthcare system yeah, in Spain. Yeah. So if we actually had universal health care for all here, abortion would also be covered under that naturally. I, I argue that uh, I don't know about that. No, I'm just saying that Medicare for all was passed already, that tells me that the the population is already more progressive than than what yeah, 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 they're yeah. saying. You know, yeah. I just don't think it would be a it wouldn't be a political talking point in this particular time to be used to get political capital. Maybe. I will, I mean, well, going back to
0: the concerted effort mm-hmm. about squashing Roe versus Wade, I don't think Democrats, I don't think there was some giant spider in the Democratic Party going, ah, we will collude with the Republicans to squash mm-hmm. Roe versus Wade. I think there are just all these different confluences that Republicans, were strategic and smart about Mm -hmm. and they watched, they, they planned and worked over the past 15, 20 years Mm -hmm. and they got what they wanted. Right. And Democrats were just sort of like running, running, chasing the LGBTQ agenda, chasing, um, black lives matter, uh, TV spots, chasing like Mm -hmm. whatever it may be, Uh, the Ukraine Christ. Mm -hmm. And here we are. Yeah, Republi- I think, Republicans actually kept their heads down and I said, think you we give it, I think you're giving
1: the Democrats way too much credit. I, I, I argue that they knew exactly what they were doing. Like, I, I they were in on it. I don't think. What well, maybe well, some well, of I them. I just proved, like I said, Pelosi is the Speaker of the House. She right, openly right, right. endorsed, she, she does this consistently. Look at Joe Biden's positions on abortion, people. Look them up. His abortions are very hard line stances yes. against abortions. Very clear that he's anti abortion. So why would he fight for abortion rights if he's anti abortion? Yeah. It just that does not work. Right. That, that that so but now they can do something about it because now it's an issue. And now it can be another distraction on top of the other ones. And it can use Well, this it's gonna as a way- give them a
0: bump in the midterms. I don't, think, I don't think, think it's gonna save them. And I think that's gonna be so yeah. they're gonna have so much egg and cum on their face. Because <laughs> because when they they're they they're probably thinking right now, oh guys, we have a chance in the midterms. It's like, no, you no you fucking don't.
1: No, you yeah. don't. No, you don't. But that's a demoralizing part because I have friends that are really, really like demoralized right now. Uh, I'm sure. And and I'm saying to myself, how many times has that have to happen before you realize that this is just a game been played on you? Yeah, I mean, and, and it's not me being insensitive. It's just like, no, it's a fucking game, is what it is. Like they they did this two summers ago. Like that should have taught us something. Yeah, they did the same thing on the George Floyd as a presidential election. They they, they got a cor- they got a Floyd. corpse
0: elected president.
1: Yeah, they got a off corpse of a black office. man's corpse. Yeah, and I mean the whole Clarence Thomas thing. How do you think Clarence Thomas got into the Supreme Court? Joe Biden signed off on him. I mean, the whole Anita Hill situation. They shamed a black woman, Anita Hill. Did People not see that, but look at the Gen Z people. They weren't born in 91, so no. they don't know anything about well, the history. The Anita
0: Hill situation was, was kind of a weird...
1: Yeah, but Joe Biden grilled her and basically shamed her in front of everybody. Yeah. In, to, I do to, to defend Clarence Thomas to get on the bench. Yeah. I mean, he did. Yeah. Yeah. He did do that. Yeah. I mean, Joe Biden's the same guy who wrote... The crime bill? Not just the crime bill, but the don't ask, don't tell. He actually had harsher verbiage in the don't ask, don't tell policy with Clinton. That It was so bad that they had to take it out of don't ask, don't tell. It was so graphic. The the stuff Uh that Joe Biden wanted to say. Remember, this is the guy, though. He's your LGBTQ ally, though. Right. I'm telling you, these people are so full of shit. If I see
0: a rainbow flag on your on your uh, whatever it is, your political movement or whatever. I'm like, lady Doc protests too much. You've, y- there's something sick and weird going on in there. <laughs> you're either a pedophile or you're oh, a homophobe man. or you're a, you're, you know, whatever. <laughs> like if you actually have to come out and ugh, anyway, well, we didn't really talk that much about education, but I enjoyed what we talked about.
1: <laughs> I did too, man. Um, and shit, like I said, you can have me back on, but the thing, dude, there's not a lot to talk about, man. With education, it's kind of like um, my whole idea. is part of the establishment. It's no different than Hollywood. It's no different than the uniparty system that we have. Yep. Um, that's the that's the scary part. I could grow up when I was a kid, watch PBS, and actually learn from PBS uh-huh. because I felt like there wasn't political agendas Take into it. A look. You could it take the, you could take the information for what it was, you could take it and you could actually have a free mind. And reading Rainbow didn't mean drag story hour, right? Right. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with drag story hour, but I know what you're saying as far as um making that soul like obviously like a woke sort of approach to things. And um, I my, think it, my my my
0: prediction in the next 15 years, is all these kids that were raised by woke, woke, woke parents and had Drag Story Hour and uh, Anti-Racist Baby and all this progressive, woke ch- children shit shoved down their throats, they're going to be proud boys in 15 years because <laughs> because they're going to turn into teenagers and they're going to rebel. Yeah. And what are they going to rebel against? Mm-hmm. Woke liberalism.
1: Yeah, it's just... um. It's all, like I said, though, it's part of a deeper structural problem that we have in the country, which reflects our poor quality of education and um, our lack of critical analysis skills. And um, I just never thought that I'd be 40 years old and see it actually go in reverse to where we're not questioning things as much anymore. We just follow the lines of authority and just do what they tell us to do. Yeah, It's, It's really scary to see that. Yeah. Well... All the
0: best. I hope you said you, I you appreciate and your family optimism, are preparing John. for it. God
1: Goddamn, you fucking <laughs> cynic you. you pessimist you. Well,
0: <laughs> hey, I wasn't the one that said I would like to see the whole government dissolve. That was you. Oh, man. That come
1: was on, you. dude. Hey, it's a thought. Okay. No, I know. I
0: know. <laughs> um, get on over to patreon.com slash neardarkradio. We're doing a lot more podcasts behind the paywall these days because, hey, things are getting things are popping off, and I don't want to get my name drugged through any muddy swamps. Uh, get over to Kiko's freethinkers forum podcast available on all podcasts uh,
1: yes platforms for sure um go to Spotify first that's why I tell people Spotify anchor, YouTube I don't really get a lot of credit, so stick right. more to I Spotify I don't even do YouTube. Apple. Amazon, any of the big platforms like that Anchor is fine, Radio and rate is fine. and review.
0: Get if you're listening to this on Spotify, subscribe, like, I don't know, rate it. Get, review no doubt. It. Same thing on Apple Podcasts. Same thing for uh Kiko's podcast. Like, if you don't if you just listen to it and you don't share it with your friends or you don't Give it a five star rating or whatever. Our audience doesn't grow. These ideas don't get out there. Mm-hmm. Everyone remains ignorant and the world devolves into chaos. So,
1: yes. And so, again, do I want the system to dissolve? I don't know. I mean, I do got politicians on my pod and stuff. So, I mean, and just one, Constance Every, next week, I'm going to be interviewing her. People in Tennessee, concerned citizens, get Who your questions that? into her. Her name is Constance Every. She's okay. from Knoxville and she's running for governor of Tennessee. And oh. she has some unbelievable ideas. Get your questions in KikoFreeThinker at gmail.com. And also, um, did they put the N-word behind the paywall? You do that? Did I? Yeah. I thought you took it off. I thought, I thought they censored you. Oh, no, I put it behind you. the paywall. I thought they censored you. So I, I was like, it... damn, well, what did I? do? Did I, 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 I don't <laughs>
0: know if I told you this. I, went on, I was invited to go on a podcast um, by uh, what I thought was a friend in Murfreesboro. Mm -hmm. He had me on his podcast. We recorded a a whole episode. Two weeks later, he calls me and he's like, Hey, um, my producer, my co-producer, who's a black kid, who I I got along perfectly well with, was like, we found your episode uh, on the N-word and we're not going to be able to air our episode. Are you." you serious? And I was like... What? And I like. I mean, I lost so much what respect the for this person. Fuck? I t- I told him on the phone. I was like, I think you're a pussy. That
1: is crazy. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Oh.
0: And I was just like, that's gay. That's damn man. Dumb and gay.
1: I knew something was up with that because I saw that. I was like that. It was kind of subtle. I was like, I wonder why he did that. But that's so weird, man. Yeah. Like. I, I, I didn't want you to get in trouble. I was oh, afraid. I didn't get about, in trouble, but I was afraid about that one though, in particular. That no, I mean, <laughs> I don't.
0: I the, it, we we got into it on the podcast. If you want to listen to it, become a
1: patron. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> apparently some information is not free. I appreciate you having me on as yeah, usual. Yeah, man, thanks for coming. And you have on. to get on mine too, for yep. sure. Like we gotta we gotta bend together. Let's set man. something
0: up for sure. All right,
1: I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, thank y'all. Enjoy the rest of your
1: day.